0: Grace and peace. You're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a ministry devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians pray and think about race in ways that are biblical and helpful, clear and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at UwePray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, previous episodes, and more. All right. Grace and peace, friends. Thank you for joining us for another episode of United We Pray. I'm Austin Souter, and I'm joined today by a friend whose name we are not going to share, and that's because she is doing missions work in a country that is uh, less than hospitable for that kind of thing. So, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, Are you able to share just broadly where you live and what kind of work you're doing?
1: Yeah, so I live in the Middle East, and right now a lot of what I do is support work, so I help kind of create sustainability for families who are on the mission field, um, working with kids, um, education-wise, helping supplement a lot of their education, and just coming alongside families emotionally and spiritually to help, um, particularly with their children um, living overseas long-term.
0: So, you're part of an international church in the Middle East, and you're working with the children of missionaries.
1: Absolutely. So... Uh, I spend a lot of time in children's ministry as well as during the week working with those same kids um, with their education and just, you know, being a part of families. I get called auntie a lot (laughs) throughout the week.
0: That's great. So, we'll get back to sort of what you're doing now, but I want to back up and hear sort of how you got there. So, where did you grow up?
1: So, I grew up in the Atlanta area.
0: Okay. Yeah. And how did you come to know the Lord? When did you come to know the Lord?
1: yeah I actually came to the lord uh at a pretty young age um grew up in the church and just heard the Bible faithfully taught um from as far back as I can remember and I think it was about seven or eight when the Lord called me to himself and I repented and believed the gospel so, i
0: love that i i uh, yeah I love that kind of testimony want that for my kids obviously. At what point did you know you wanted to do missions work?
1: Um, That was a little bit longer of a road. Sure. Uh, It was a very slow kind of uh, gradual thing. So I grew up in a church that really valued mission work. And a lot of, um, there was a lot of that kind of in the air, uh, so to speak. I remember being a kid and having these big, conferences where the church would bring in all these missionaries from around the world and they would set up booths. And I remember being little and kind of running around from booth to booth and seeing different countries and the people who lived there and the kind of work that was happening and um, being really excited by that. And then, um, however, that was A lot of those missionaries were not people who were sent out of the church that I grew up in. Those were a lot of people who were doing ministry in their own context that our church was supporting, which is really awesome. And I love that. Um, But it wasn't a picture for me of, oh, I could do this one day. The picture for me more was, oh, I can go on a short-term trip uh, frequently when I grow up. (laughs) That was kind of the picture. Um, And so, when I was a teenager, I did a short-term trip um, to Ecuador and um, was really impacted there. Um, and then I think really for me, when it became something that I thought about pursuing long-term, uh, right after I graduated college, there was the first CrossCon. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, so that was a conference that's really focused on um, unreached people groups. And that was kind of the first time I had heard about unreached people groups and unengaged people groups. And it was really then that I sort of said, you know, maybe long-term, that's something I want to do. Maybe that's something that I don't just go for a week or go for a summer, but go and live somewhere overseas.
0: So it was always sort of held up Mm -hmm. in your childhood and then young adulthood as being a good thing, worthy of supporting how has it been doing missions abroad as a single African American woman? Have there been unexpected challenges or blessings in that?
1: Definitely. Um there is the the challenge of being particularly other because of where I am there are a lot of different ethnicities and so there are people who look more white, there are people who look more traditionally Middle Eastern there are people who look more Asian and so a lot of my coworkers in the gospel can kind of blend in if they don't open their mouth <laughs> um, but I can't do that and so you know I walk outside of my door and I'm being stared at most of the time and so that can come with uh, a level of loneliness that can come with a level of feeling objectified um, and that can be really frustrating I have a particular story to share, and that's been kind of the story that I have to remind myself of when I get frustrated (laughs) because people are staring at me. Uh, There's a family at my church who super intentional with their neighbors, super intentional sharing the gospel with the people around them. And they were pretty new on the field, and we lived really close by. We were really close friends they started this really deep relationship with their neighbors. And this one woman in particular started reading the Bible with them. And over the course of a few years, she was reading through the Gospels and reading through the Epistles. And it was a long journey for her. She has a job where she can kind of see the worst of humanity. And so there was one day she was coming home from work and I was going over to my friend's house to like, let in the housekeeper, or water some plants, things like that. And as I'm leaving, this woman is coming inside. And from my perspective, I'm walking out. She sees me and stops and kind of runs up to me and says, you're my rainbow. <laughs> and I have no idea what she's talking about. But she had just experienced a really, really hard night of seeing a lot of the worst in humanity and she'd been reading the bible and she was really intrigued by Jesus and she wanted to know more and she was curious but she got to this point where she said, you know, God, I want to believe in you, but I can't believe that you would allow things like this to happen. And so she prayed, God, if you're real, I need you to just show me a sign and I need it to be obvious. And different and not something that I'm going to miss. And right at that moment, she looked up and saw me. And to her, that was her sign. (laughs) I was so different. And so, she knew I was a believer. And so, to her, that was her clear sign from God that He existed and He saw her. And so, you know, being highly visible has its benefits and it has its, you know, um, difficulties.
0: Well, I would imagine, too, that Growing up in a majority white context sort of prepared you for the mission field in a way that folks who are of the majority never got to experience those sort of dynamics were really kind of going into cross-cultural ministry blind. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like it prepared you for that?
1: I I think so, um, in some senses, but I also think it's very different. I grew up where I was the minority, but I wasn't the only. Okay, And so... You know, my friend group in high school was really pretty diverse. Um, In church, I think more so was a lot more mostly white context. Um, And so in some respects, definitely, I've been used to not uh, looking around the room and seeing my own face reflected back to me. But uh, it was also still a little bit of a shift to go from being one of a few to being the only Sure.
0: Yeah, so our ministry exists really to help Christians pray and think better about race and ethnicity. And for many of our listeners here in the States, particularly if they're majority culture, that's a conversation that they're able to sort of check in and check out of as they wish. But it sounds like it's more of an everyday thing you're thinking through. Is that right?
1: Definitely. Um, it's something that maybe I'm not talking about every day, but I'm experiencing every day or I'm thinking through every day. Um, that's an yeah, part of my everyday experience,
0: and I don't, I don't want to downplay the the difficulty or the loneliness that can probably bring around. But I'm struck thinking about this. We had Alicia Akins on not too long ago. She's a single African American woman who has also lived abroad, and she wrote a fantastic book called The Gift of the Outsider, in which she argues that folks who are cultural outsiders have great gifts of insight to share with those in the majority. And so I'm just wondering how you've seen that as you interact with with kids of missionaries, with indigenous folks. Um, I don't know if I'm using the correct term for that, um, but yeah, how, how have you seen sort of that preparation or that unique gifting work itself out in missions?
1: I think for me in particular, I'm able to relate to the missionary kids really well. There's a, a sense in which they feel like they don't fully belong in the culture in which they're being raised, but when they go back to the states on stateside assignment, all of a sudden, all their cousins have all these cultural references they don't understand, and you know they don't fully feel American either. And so, I can I can really relate to a lot of that because sure, I, I remember growing up in a majority white culture and going back to family reunions and not understanding <laughs> references that my cousins were talking about, but also not being fully accepted in, you know, majority white spaces. And so I definitely have a level of empathy there um, that I think there's a a difference in coming in as an adult with a lot of your identity already pretty much formed and being an other as opposed to that kind of being your ongoing as you're forming your identity and as you're growing and maturing to have that um and so hopefully i can be um an adult that a lot of those kids can relate to and share with and open up to and um kind of help guide them to bring those feelings to the lord and to um not see them only as a burden but to see the blessing in them as well
0: yeah that's good. i i love hearing about this ministry i was a missionary kid in asia um from age six to nine, and I can relate with a lot of that sort of the, th- the things you hear about from third culture kids is not really feeling like you fit in in either context. And so I'm grateful you're building those bridges for, for them. I think it's a fantastic ministry. You mentioned earlier, though, some of the discouragement or loneliness that you've experienced on the field. Um, how do you handle that?
1: It depends on the season sure. I've been in. <laughs> There have been seasons where I haven't handled it particularly well, Um, but there have been a lot of—I'm really thankful for the church that I'm a part of. Um, My teammate that I came overseas with um, has been a really great listening ear. Um, I'm just really thankful for her and for the way that she wants to be in that with me and uh, laments with me and is just a really good friend in that um, been thankful for a pastor who is really um, aware and sensitive and um, but also good at kind of admonishing and saying like let's not stay here and let's you know um, yeah he's just very pastoral in being aware of Difficulties, but also wanting to move towards how do we bring this to the Lord in faith. And um, I'm actually reading Elizabeth Elliot's The Path of Loneliness oh, yeah. right now. And it's been really good to kind of dwell on how do I take loneliness and discouragement as a gift from the Lord and as an offering to the Lord. Um, and so... Um hopefully <laughs> moving in that yeah. direction and and can you know I've definitely had seasons where I've just brought it to the Lord and said I don't know what to do with this but <laughs> here it is.
0: Yeah. What are some other ways that I mean you mentioned bringing it to the Lord what how does how does prayer work in the life of a missionary like that?
1: It's everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, without prayer it's yeah, there's I think it's probably the most important thing that we do. Um, I remember the very first time I went to the city where I live now and there's a difficulty in those first few years or even just first few months where you don't have enough language to really build relationships, but there's a power in prayer. You know people's names and you could be the person who's praying for them that nobody else is. There's just definitely an importance to prayer. It's where I think a lot of the work starts. And yeah.
0: So for folks listening at home, I, I want to close with a couple questions about them or for them. Do you have any particular encouragement for someone who understands the importance of mission, thinks it's it's a worthwhile endeavor, but maybe can't see themselves as a missionary?
1: Yeah, I think ultimately we're all called to mission. Um, it's just a matter of where we are. And so yeah. if you don't see yourself as a missionary. What is it that you're doing right now where you're making disciples? How are you um, sharing the gospel with the people around you, whether that's in your family or at your work or in your community? Um, And really it's being a missionary is just doing that somewhere else. It's doing what you're already doing in a place where there's a lot less access um, to believers in the gospel. And so I would kind of challenge people to go on a short-term trip and experience, you know, being a little bit uncomfortable in a different context, but also seeing that ministry is, you know, it's what we're already doing right. as believers. And so, maybe the Lord is calling you to do that somewhere else. Um, maybe He's not, but at least be open to the opportunity and... Um, in some way, invest yourself in the work that's going on abroad.
0: Yeah. So, you mentioned short-term trips. Are there other ways that folks at home can support or pray for missionaries on the field?
1: Absolutely. So, there's, obviously, there's giving uh, financially, praying, you know, get on some newsletters and pray through the things that you know, missionaries are experiencing, things that they are praying for come alongside them in that I have a really amazing group of friends um, here in the States who pray for me on a regular basis and they check in with me on a regular basis and they hear a lot more updates than what I'll send out in a newsletter. And they are some of my closest friends because they, even though we don't see each other very often we're oceans apart but they are so committed to praying for me and when i'm in the states they are my hosts and they are um the people who kind of come around me and rally around me and so um being a part of a group of people like that is another opportunity to you know support the work abroad
0: sure well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your your story. It's it's just so encouraging to hear how God has brought you to that place and is continuing to sustain you in it. So keep on.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, why don't we close in prayer for, for you and for the work you're doing and for those who are listening. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I can open us if you don't mind closing. Yeah. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for... Um, your work in our lives, for examples, for inspiration, for your guiding hand in putting us all where you want us to be. And so, Lord, I just pray for this work in the Middle East. We pray for believers there to be well-supported, pray that they would uh, do a good job of loving each other and um, meeting their needs, bearing each other's burdens. Uh, and pray that you give them success on the field. We pray that they would be a clear gospel witness that uh, many would come to know you through the work they're doing, um, and that you would just continue to be building your church uh, through this work and other other efforts like it. We pray for uh, believers uh, in the States or in other majority Christian countries um, that we would care about this work, we would prioritize it, we would support it, uh, and then we would pray for it. um please give us give us opportunities to um, be a blessing to those who are doing this kind of frontline work. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen,
1: Father, Thank you that you are um, just a picture of unity and diversity, that you are three persons and one God, and that we get to image that in your body, as the church, that we get to come together. As people from different ethnicities, um, from different backgrounds, from different um, socioeconomic situations, um, and that you are glorified in us as we're unified um, in the gospel. And so, I thank you for your grace towards us. Um, Thank you for saving us and um, bringing us into a community together. Lord, I pray that you would just grow your church. That you would send out more laborers into the field that you would um yeah that there would be a great harvest that is reaped because of um people who see uh the goodness of your glory and want other people to experience that um want other people to be included in that family and so um We do pray that you would continue to grow your church in hard places, that you would continue to grow your church here in the States. Um, And we thank you for the work that you're doing that we don't even know about. Um, We're grateful that you are always working and you're always on the move and that you invite us in on that work. And so we want to, um, we want to join you in that work wherever you have us and Pray that you would um, give us bold words to speak your gospel, that you would give us hearts that are transformed by love, that we would care deeply about the people that you um, put in our path, that we would love our neighbors well, that we would love you um, above all, and that that would shine through in uh, the way that we treat one another and um, in the way that we share your gospel with others. For this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this conversation. Thank you for the work you're doing, and we just will continue to pray for you in it. All right, and thanks for listening, everyone. Grace and peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of United We Pray. You can find more information about our work at That's uwepray.com. That's U W E P R A Y.com. United We Pray is a donor supported ministry, and if you are interested in supporting our work, you can find out more information on the website in prayer